Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. How y'all doing? This is, a, this is a, quite a crowd for a Christmas Eve gathering. I remember we've had quite a few where it's just been like 15 to 20 people, but um, everyone's families and their extended families, and y'all are here, y'all are here this year. Also, I was just thinking about this as I was looking out. We haven't gathered together as a church for a Christmas Eve service since 2019. Isn't that wild? There was this thing that happened in 2020 that derailed us. Well, um, today I'm going to be talking about how when Jesus arrived on the scene, he arrived as the light of the world. One of the things I love about Christmas, maybe some of you are the same in the Christmas season, are all of the lights. Anyone else? Anyone else feel the same? When I was a kid, uh, my brother's here. He might be able to attest to this, my mom and my dad as well. Um, When I was a kid, I remember I would set up a bed on the couch so that I could sleep near the light of the Christmas tree and just kind of like lay by it, kind of in the Christmas season. There's something warming about it. And so I love the lights. And I want to share a story, a a, a brief history of Christmas trees that my friend Travis Arnold, who's also a professor at uh, Portland Bible College, uh, he shared this brief history of Christmas trees. And I just thought it was fascinating because a lot of times we hear about how um, the Christmas tree has an association with um, pagan religion, which the use of fir trees in the winter solstice is prominent or was prominent in pagan religions prior to Christianity. But the primary reason Christians began incorporating Christmas trees into the Christmas celebration had more to do with the feast of Adam and Eve than those pagan traditions. Let let me share a little bit more. Before there there was any evidence of of modern Christmas trees or, or Christmas celebrations, there was the feast day of Adam and Eve, which was celebrated on December 24th, which is today. And in in medieval Europe, there were plays that were performed around that time that would dramatize the story of Adam and Eve. And, and, And we see in history that trees were decorated with apples and wafers. Imagine like wafers that would be used in communion. And so these trees were decorated with apples and wafers, and then they were paraded through the town, kind of as like a guerrilla marketing for the place. Like, hey, if you want to see more of this, come to the play later, right? And so these trees were kind of paraded through the towns, and, and, and they portrayed the, the tree of the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life that we read about in the story of Adam and Eve in the Genesis 1 through 3 narrative. And so these trees were paraded through, and eventually Christians would set up trees in their homes as a sort of tree of life, to kind of represent the tree of life. And on December 24th, what you would do as a Christian is you would reflect and meditate on that story in which Adam forsook the tree of life. And then on the next day, December 25th, they would celebrate the arrival of what Scripture names the second Adam 
or Jesus who reunites sinners back to true life with the Father. And, and so apples and wafers were eventually replaced with ornaments. And apparently Martin Luther, the great reformer, any of you heard of Martin Luther? Apparently uh, uh, Martin Luther decided to add candles to his family's tree in order to depict the starry hosts in the Christmas narrative and the glory of heaven. Fascinating story, right? It's kind of interesting, brief history of the Christmas tree. And so it's a cool story, which is one of the reasons I wanted to share it with you. Sometimes as a preacher, you just hear something interesting and you want to share it and you just try to work it in. But also, I bring it up to highlight the importance of light in the Christmas narrative, which is what we're going to be exploring this morning. And so earlier, Logan and Alyssa, they read a, a telling of the Christmas story. I sa said this morning, that's why Cy laughed. Okay, this afternoon. Yes, I'm used to preaching on morning, morning time on Sundays, so y'all are going to have grace for me, right? A few of you will have grace for me. <laughs> a few of you have no grace for me, that's okay. I forgive you. So, this afternoon, we're going to be exploring that thought. And earlier this afternoon, we heard the telling of the Christmas story according to the Gospel of Luke, which is kind of a more traditional telling of the story. But I'd like to turn our attention to how John, in the Gospel of John, explains Jesus' arrival. Or as Adam put it a few weeks ago, this telling from John is a, a, less like a white Christmas, and it's a little bit more like the Tim Burton version of the gospel story. John's a little bit creative in how he tells it. And so we have the first five verses here for you on the screen, of verses one through five. In the beginning, this is how John explains Jesus' arrival on the scene. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Very creative, John. Okay, what, what are you talking about? He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Speaking of Jesus, he then writes this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In, gone, in John's gospel, John insists that when Jesus is born, he arrives as the light of the world. And so I believe it's why, one of the reasons why light is so important in the church's reflection and celebration of the Christmas story during Advent. And so four Sundays ago, if you were here, we have this wreath um, that we started lighting candles on. And so we started on the first Sunday of Advent, which was four weeks. Advent is just four weeks leading to Christmas in which we prepare our hearts to reflect on the Jesus story. And so four weeks ago, we lit one of these candles. And then the next week, we lit another candle until all four were illuminated. And so each week, this has become a symbol for us of the light shining brighter and brighter as we approach Christ's birth. And today, we, light a, we lit a fifth candle. Of course, these are 
we're not like Martin Luther where we're braving a fire hazard inside. Um, Main Street Landing would kick us out if we did this, and maybe the sprinkler system would go off. They have an infrared sprinkler system in here. But we lit a fifth candle and place it in the, the middle, the center of the wreath, and this represents the light and life of Christ. And so the light has become progressively brighter and brighter. But here's the thing. It doesn't always feel that way to us, does it? For many of us, during this time of year, things can feel darker than usual. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Things can feel darker than usual, which is why I believe John's words here in the gospel are a needed reminder of what I believe to be true, and that is what? In verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We need this reminder. Some of us need this reminder, perhaps more than others, but all of us need it because it's not always easy to recognize the light. A few verses later in John's gospel, we reread this in verses 9 to 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So it's instructive to me that while John speaks about Jesus arriving as the true light, it's also instructive to me that not everyone was able to recognize it. And so that's permission for us to be okay with the moments in which we don't recognize the light. But it's also a reminder that the light is there. We see from the very beginning that Jesus is not always recognized as the light of the world. Think of the story that was told from the Gospel of Luke earlier. Think of the humble manner in which Jesus was born. In Luke's narrative, the one which Logan and Alyssa read earlier, not even basic accommodations were made for Jesus' birth. Think about it, right? So from the very beginning of the Christmas story, of the Jesus story, we see the light was not recognized. A few days ago, I saw a post from Bob Goff. He's an author, and it popped up in my feed, and I can't stop thinking about this post. He said, later in his life, I bet the innkeeper wished he'd made more room than he thought he had for Jesus. Me too. Me too. And so I'm convinced that the question is not whether or not the light is shining. I'm convinced that the question is whether or not we recognize it, whether or not we are where the light is. And that's really what Advent, that's really what Christmas is all about. That's why we are gathered here today is to have that reminder. We exercise our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to learn to recognize the light. Um, and, and we're able to do so because of God's spirit with us. Now, I wish there was a magic formula I could give you to recognizing the light of Jesus because God knows we need it, right? Can I get an amen for that? Amen, we need the light. But here's what I do know about God's light and the light of Jesus. 
God's light is present in the broken, dark, and lonely places of our world. Which means this, and we see that in the Christmas story. God's, which means this, then. God's light, then, is present in the broken and dark places of our lives. I think we're tempted to believe the opposite. Perhaps, that why, perhaps that's why some of us don't come to church very often, right? Because we believe that if God were to love us, if God were to love us, he would only do so because we have it all together, right? Rather than bringing the broken and dark places of our lives into the light. And a question for us this morning, which I'll have for us on the screen. What would it look like for you to lift the broken and dark places of your life to God? Some examples of some of the ways we might be able to answer this question. Perhaps it's a confession. God, forgive me for this. Perhaps it's bringing a wound before God, such as a trauma or a betrayal, lifting it to God. God, this thing has been defining me, but I'm going to leave this in your hands. Perhaps it's an illness or a pain we're battling. Perhaps it's a darkness in our soul, anger, bitterness, anxiety, something that is weighing inside of us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not over. Come it. The Christmas story reminds us that we don't need to let the broken and dark places of our lives define us, that God's light has come to bring life and peace and joy to us. God's light comes in the darkness. So let's start there. There's not a formula, right? But that's a good place to start with naming, just be, being able to name it and lift it, the broken, dark places of our lives to God. So that's a good place to start. As we do so, God's light begins to transform us from the inside out, and we learn to walk in the light, which can bring us to some interesting and dark places. In the same way that God is not afraid of the darkness in our lives, God is also not afraid of the dark places in our world. Um, The con- think of the context for a moment where Jesus is born. The context into which he's born. And, and we're not going to read the entire story in all four Gospels today. But the context that Jesus is born into is violent and chaotic, right? The, Israel at the time was occupied by the Roman emperor. And they had a corrupt king who was, a vi- who was violent and corrupt. Um, and this is the context that Jesus is born into. And it's these types of places, chaotic and dark places where Jesus wants us to be. Because as we're transformed by the light from the inside out, we are then invited to partner with God in bringing his shalom, his peace, his joy to the world. And so we step into the light, but then that light brings us to some interesting and dark places. That's where God calls us to be. So, There's not a formula, right? But if you're having a hard time recognizing the light of Jesus, perhaps this is a hint or a clue that you're being invited by Jesus to walk in the places where Jesus wants his light to be known. From the very beginning, 
we see Jesus among the, the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the broken, and that's where we will find Jesus, and that's where we will be called to walk in his light. John 8 verse 12 says this, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness because if you walk with Jesus, even if you're in some dark places, you're walking in the light. He says this, but will have the light of life if you follow Jesus. So you might, might be in some dark places, but you will always have the light. How many of you are familiar with the street artist Banksy? Banksy, one of my favorite artists. Um, many of Banksy's pieces offer a subversive commentary in some of the darkest places in the world. Um, the first Banksy pieces that I became familiar with, some of you might know, um, this was painted on a wall in the West Bank. Um, and and I, I think we can think of some ways in which an image like that in the West Bank might conjure some commentary, right? Um, or this one. How many of you have seen this one before, right? Also, a that's a Molotov cocktail, but it's blossoming here. Um, recently, um, some of Banksy's art was discovered in, per, forgive me if you're Ukrainian, Borodyanka, Ukraine. Um, and I have a brief video to show you of that, the art that was found there. So uh, those are pieces, right, that have something to say. Would you agree? There's something to say. They shine light in a dark place. They shine light, but they also expose the darkness. They, one thing they also do, that they create beauty in the midst of a broken place. And in many ways, we are called as followers of Jesus, the light of the world, to do the same, to stand with and for the marginalized, the oppressed. In some ways, we are called to do the same, to create beauty out of brokenness. And we do so because we are transformed by that light. As we do so, we also learn to recognize the light of Jesus as we do. And so it kind of happens in, in both directions, right? Because you recognize the light, you then are able to step into those places with Jesus. But because you do, you're also then able to recognize the light in perhaps some ways that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, uh, another place I've seen this recently is in the life of my wife, Luann, who's been, in my opinion, creating beauty out of darkness. She's been um, going through some very tough family things over the last several months, and we've had a lot of really kind of rough family things as well throughout the course of our marriage, and uh, we all have uh, perhaps a dinner with our families tonight to get to, so I will spare you the details. Um, but um, I've watched an explosion during this season of creativity flow out of uh, Luann's life because she has chosen to let that light of Jesus transform her from the inside out. And I just wanted to share a mural with you all. Uh, this is in a, a new restaurant here in town, the Gray J. It's a brunch spot. People love brunch. Um, so if you're there, make sure you uh, take a selfie with this mural. Um, and uh, uh, I have another slide as well. 
of, uh, this is Luann last week in a coffee shop. She is writing cards to a handful of women inmates um, who are in prison. And this is uh, a couple examples of how I have seen Luann create beauty out of darkness in this season. Now, we might not have the ability to express creativity in the same way as Luann or Banksy. If you're like me, you're like, that's not an attainable or a realistic goal. That's not a homework assignment I am going to give any of you. But we all have the capacity to create beauty in the broken and dark places of, of our world. Letters to inmates, food for the hungry, clothes for the naked, water for the thirsty. Uh, I'm going to close today with giving you um, uh, a few questions. These are um, an adaptation from a prayer practice called the examine. And what the examine is, is it's usually a prayer practice that is used at the end of the day, and it's used as an opportunity to reflect on God, where you have noticed, or perhaps where you might have not noticed God at work in your life that day. And so it's a practice in which we prayerfully reflect on a few questions in review of our day. That's why it's called the examine. It's an examination of your day. And so I modified kind of like a standard daily examine into a Christmas examine. Um, and this is something that I'm going to invite you to maybe just like write down or if you want, take out your phone and take a picture of and you can just use it in the coming weeks as an opportunity to prayerfully reflect on this last Christmas season. And, and as you do so, I want to just let you all know that it's a practice that even though as you examine, you might see some things that make you uncomfortable or perhaps you might be tempted to feel shame about. Please don't do that. This is an opportunity to receive grace for the areas in which you perhaps recognize or have examined a shortcoming. And it's also an opportunity to be encouraged for the following day. And so um, these questions, did I see myself through the eyes of Christ's love this Christmas season? Did I see anyone else through the eyes of Christ's love? Did I lift the dark and broken places of my life to God in prayer? Was I able to name that and to bring it to God? Was there any way I stood with God amongst the marginalized and the oppressed? So this, this practice, it can be confronting and challenging, but it's used as an opportunity to receive grace and to be strengthened and encouraged to propel us into the light as we move forward. And so I just wanted to provide another set of questions as well um, that hopefully reframe it a little bit. Perhaps if some of the answer to those questions is no, how would my life be different if I saw my life through the eyes of Christ's love as you're reminded that you are loved by God? Who is someone I am being, being invited to see through the eyes of Christ's love? Someone else. What are some dark and broken places I can lift to God in prayer? And four, in the next week or two, are there any ways, even if small, I can stand with the poor, the marginalized, or the oppressed? Perhaps it's bringing a hot chocolate to someone who could use a hot chocolate, What's a, even if it's a small way, right? Uh, let's pray.
Uh, and I'm going to invite Lydia up, and um, Lydia has a song for us that she'll share with. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the words of John, which reminds us that as you arrived into our world, you arrived in a broken and lonely and dark place, yet you were the light of the world that brings life, that illuminates, and that darkness did not have the last word, God. And so we lift up the broken, dark, lonely, painful places of our own lives, God, and we ask for your light to shine. We thank you that um, you love us in that place, God. Not once we have it all together, you love us precisely in that place, God. And so we lift those places to you today, and we ask for your spirit to illuminate and reveal your light to us, God, because only your spirit can do that. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your peace. We thank you that we can be together this Christmas, God. We thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.